Hey, what's up? This is Corey Dion Lewis, clinical health coach and host of the Healthy Project podcast. Now, the research shows that social determinants can have a greater impact on your health more than healthcare or lifestyle choices. The purpose of this podcast is to discuss how to improve health and reduce health inequity by speaking to healthcare professionals, thought leaders, and entrepreneurs. Now, if you're enjoying the podcast, give it a review. Or you can also make a donation to The Healthy Project using the link in the description. It takes 30 seconds and it's super easy. Hey, thank you so much for listening. Now let's get started. All right, we're, we're recording. Kayla, this is so weird for me. Why? <laughs> Why? Like, I've been doing this for a minute, but like, this feels so much more like legit. Yeah, yeah. Like I got, you're my first guest in actual space. This is dope. New mics, mm-hmm. new thing. I'm gonna come up. But we we try. I'm trying. You to him, get... right? You would say I'm Harla. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Hemi. Hemi. Though, but I appreciate you. So this is this is kind of a um, this is kind of a double like, exci- exciting one new space, yeah. new podcast. Not new podcast, but new podcast mm-hmm. like space environment, but also the sec Des Moines second mm-hmm. my city my health yes, conference. Yes. So, walk me through for those that don't for those that don't know my city my health is a health equity conference mm-hmm. series where the goal is to have a major health equity conference in every city in the country. Mm-hmm. That's the mission for my city my health that me and Larry uh, established from day one. Um, but this is, this was the first like real health equity conference in Des Moines Mm -hmm. and you were a part of the mental health panel. So tell me, yeah, of course. Tell me about your experience Mm -hmm. and what that meant to you of having that conversation. Absolutely. Yeah. It was, um, one, it was beautiful. If I can just even take a step back, talk about going into the conference. Mm, I don't think talk I've about ever it. been in a conference. Like, you know, a professional conference where I walk in, the vibes are there. Where it's like mm-hmm. the music that's playing, the people, the community. And it's like the way you did it. And I loved where it was at. Everybody was kind of closer together. Yeah. I feel like so spread out. So there was connection. There was like culture. And there was like authenticity. And I love that. So when I walked in, I was like, oh, I feel comfortable. You know, I feel at home. Like, it's like sometimes you sit on a panel, right. like, okay, I got to, you know, not necessarily change or code switch, but I got to feel like I got to bring a little oomph. But I right. feel like oh, I'm talking to my people, which is like the my city, right? Yes. I'm talking about stuff I already know. So I felt relaxed. Um, it felt good just to talk about things and have the questions that people don't often ask, you know, related to our population. So I loved it, and I felt like it was just a space I could just be, just be me, and just talk about something yeah. important. You know what, Kayla? I recognized that too. Mm-hmm. That people were answering, asking questions. That in my mind, I'm thinking in another space, you probably wouldn't have asked that question. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? That probably wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But in that space, I think one, you, Brianne, um, and my boy Tim the energy you guys were giving to the, the audience allowed that yeah. I, allowed that back and forth like hey this yeah. is but i feel like you guys have that power anyway because you're therapists that's what you you mm-hmm. were born with that that's what you do yeah. so i feel like that that's been the most popular oh, cool. most asked for wow. 
to bring back. So of course we're going to bring it back, and you're back at it again for the yes. second time. Yes. Is there anything that's on your chest right now? Well, let me let me take a step back because there, there I have a lot of new. I have a lot of different viewers, mm-hmm. a lot of people who may not know you. Yeah, and I know you're not your therapist. You're not therapist. Period. But you're mm-hmm. a therapist and yes. <laughs> so tell the people a little bit yeah. about yourself. Um, what you're doing and right. you know, what's your passion? Absolutely. So, licensed mental health counselor in the state of Iowa. Uh, it's important to know I'm also a black lesbian woman that just embodies everything about me. I love to kick it in shoes, sneakers. That's what Corey and I vibe. Hey. I got them today. <laughs> I made sure I'm. A, I gotta right. bring the dunks today. Oh, <laughs> uh, and I like to just. I like gold jewelry. I'm from Florida. Like I like to bring swagger to the profession of mental health. Mm-hmm. And I like to destigmatize that it. part. That's from me walking in the door. Um, I'm also director of the Drake Counseling Center, so that's where I primarily am. So I get to focus on mental health, you know, needs across the entire campus. So doing mental health equity, that's like what I do every single day, is how do we think about and ensure that every person has access to these services in a safe and intentional and inclusive way. That goes through my mind. Right. I live for that. And it's a, it's a, I'm a constantly going to have a job related to that because that's like thinking, <laughs> oh, intention for like 4,500 people? Wow. Um, but I love that because I want to destigmatize and I want to ensure like people have access to mental health, even if it's not therapy. So that's why I love this with like, oh, a panel that has access. Everybody might not sit on a couch or a chair or virtual session, but that's they real. should have access to that. So I spent a lot of time doing that. And I also, since the last time, actually, I opened up my own little business. Yeah, uh, talk about it. So I own my own LLC. It's called Question Kayla. That's also a platform of like my... Um, Social media, and I don't know if I ever told you like where I got the name from. Is I like no. to ask a lot of questions, and it was actually kids making fun of me like when I was a freshman <laughs> in high school, because you know when the teacher says who has a question, my hand was up. Like I always was curious, mm-hmm. I wanted to know something, so they said, "Oh, there's question, Kayla," and I realized like, that's not a bad thing. I have a lot Yo, of questions, but that's also want to you know help answer questions. So that's where that platform came from. Um, but I have presentations, trainings. Eventually, I might open up consultations. Let's just see what my capacity is like. But that's my give back, right? So I do right. things for, like, you know, nonprofits, any space I can, but also other spaces to ensure people have access to the material, you know, related to mental right. health. Right. So. That's, that's so dope. And it's – and I know we always say this, mm-hmm. that it's, like, it's, it's so needed. I hear that a lot. Yeah. That's so great, and it's so needed. And, and yeah, we, we know it's needed. But my question is, okay, we understand mental health, what you're doing should never go out of style, right? right? Mm -hmm. How do we reach the people? And this is one question that I hope comes up or gets talked about at the uh, conference this Mm -hmm. year. But there's somebody that is struggling and for whatever reason won't seek help maybe they can't maybe there's an insurance issue we kind of you kind of touched on that during the uh, Mm -hmm. documentary that we're that we're filming but like how do we get to the people yeah i would say first step which is something that that's my goal in the next year is we have to go to the people Mm. so it's kind of like if we're hearing from an aside like people are saying this but we're hearing it from other people then we're never really connecting so there's like a gap and that gap can be financial that gap can be you know location but I don't think we're actually in the community like that in, in outside of a professional way. So if it's like there are people, mm-hmm. I hear from pastors say, oh, this person's struggling in the church. Oh, we should be there, right? How do we actually right. go to that? 
And then, you know, that's the issue with capitalism and all that. You know, we got to make change and all of that. But at the same time, the communities that we're really trying to help may not even have the means to get into our doors. Right. So it's less about how do we open up our doors somewhere people can go, but more like how do we knock on the people's yeah. doors that may not even know how to reach us. Yeah. And there and there are so many things. I was Actually, this is funny, not around mental health. Maybe it's, it's kind of similar to mental health because as a, as a health coach, I try to stay – there's a fine line between coaching mm-hmm. and therapy. And I don't cross that line at all. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to get sued out here for <laughs> nothing. Right. You right. know, but I have a helping heart, so it's hard for me, but I, I know I know my limitations. But what mm-hmm. comes up a lot within my spaces are um, anxiety around food. Mm-hmm. And what I'm realizing, especially in the health coaching space, um, even when I was a younger health coach and people would tell me that like, Oh, this is how I grew up. I just can't, this is, and this is how I'm still eating. I saw it as an excuse as a young, Mm -hmm. immature health coach. Like here's the same old excuse. This is how you ate when you were younger, Mm -hmm. but there's some two past trauma, past anxieties that show up as an adult that were there as a child Mm -hmm. that, I had a patient today that she's really she really wants to change and she wants she wants this goal of eating healthier and going to the gym but she gets anxiety because she had stints of homelessness. Mm-hmm. So whenever rent's due, she gets anxious. She has yeah. the money, she has it, but she gets it's this anxiety so then she starts to eat whatever's in the way. Yeah, yeah. Right? And it's like, man, we can't even talk about okay, what healthy foods you need to add mm-hmm. to your diet or getting cardiovascular activity. Yeah. Because when the 28th, 29th come around, you're bugging out. Mm-hmm. And I can't even fault you. Kayla, right. I'm like, it's fair. you were homeless for years. Yes. I can't even be mad at you. Mm-hmm. So, and like, and how, in, in, in your work, I, how do you work with that? Like, Absolutely. you know, how do you, someone and they really really want to change but they're not looking at the things that happened to them 10 20 30 years ago absolutely yeah so a lot of people come to therapy or they come to like coaching or this next step in life using a part of their brain that's very different than the one in the past yeah right so it's like i use my maybe more uh, mature developed brain that knows i have these resources but there's a whole brain mm-hmm. that we have that lives in our gut that also lives in like a different part of our brain where it stores memories experiences that aren't there yet so yeah. what happens is people are having this internal tug of war but there's a part of them that's just like i am safe now i am okay right. now but they're moving here a harder treatment is we need to move backwards, which feels so weird, right? It like, does. how do you, what, why would I go backwards? What's the idea? It's almost like you're leaving your parts behind. There are parts of you that haven't got the chance to experience the healing, that haven't Man. got the chance to experience that safety, financial security. And because you're just moving here, if you don't turn back and actually go back and rem- let these parts of you know that where you're at now, listen to the needs that they still have, those fears, validate that and also reassure it. You're going to find yourself keep having these hiccups around that time because they're just like, yeah, I know you're saying all this, but this is all I remember. My brain is like, I remember not having money. I remember being afraid. And this thing that's happening right now, rent, that reminds me of that. And yeah. I feel stuck there. So we have to uh, get yourself unstuck by going back and relieving the pain that's there. Right. So is that where um, your inner child work comes from? Mm-hmm. Yes. 
Absolutely. I love inner child work. The moment you mentioned it, like, oh, she has a little girl. This is what she experienced. I'm like, yes, because think yeah. about a child's mind. They're just like in panic. They're like, I don't know how to do this for myself. Yeah. I can't do this for myself. I don't like I got to figure out whatever way to make me feel good in that moment. But as an adult, you're like, no, I have these resources. Mm -hmm. A child doesn't know that. So internally in inner child work is we go back and we have to listen to what is that inner child communicating? Yeah. What is it still holding on to? What does that heaviness look like? And then from where you're at today, from the core part of yourself, how can you then start to relieve some of that? Can we validate that? So if my inner yeah. child is saying something like, I'm really afraid if I go to the gym, I won't have money anymore. Instead of me saying, I don't need to worry about that, which is our gut response, mm -hmm. I'm like, let me forget, validate that. It makes sense for me to be worried about that because X, Y, and Z. And at the same time, here are some ways I can take care of myself in case I ever worry about finances again. Right. You know, so that's the way you kind of navigate. But it's a it can be a difficult process because you have to fit, sit with some like really overwhelming emotions. Yeah, and and that's the key word. You got to sit with that joint. Yes. Not a lot of people are trying to sit. At all, period. Good. I'm not it gonna sugarcoat nothing. <laughs> it's not like a ooh, kumbaya come, come feels good. No, you, you gonna no, feel some things, but that's the power it. in doing it with somebody else. Is mm. you won't feel that stuff by yourself, and I think that's what makes people afraid. Is because when they did feel that, often they were isolated, alone. So if they feel it again, it's gonna trigger that. Right. So that's the power in doing that in a relationship. No, that's real. You know, something that was brought up. Um, again, you know, you're my you're my go to mental health correspondent. I feel like I'm MSNBC or some joint. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Give my credit. I take it. You, know? <laughs> you make it, I make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> For real. Um, and and during the documentary that we're filming, uh, we I brought up policy and how that affects mm. mental health. Um, services and things like that. And I'm starting to realize health equity and policy go together. Mm -hmm. um, I separated them for a while because for, in my mind, policy and politics were the same. And I'm like, I'm not rocking with that. But policy and advocacy, I'm, what I'm recognizing is it's not, you can't separate them. And there are a lot of social injustices yes. around mental health that are happening. Uh, and one, what are your thoughts on that? What are and what are some of your frustrations around that? Or what are some things that we can do? And I'm hoping this conversation comes yes. up at the conference. I really am because um, the more I get into health equity, the work is start like researching mm -hmm. and reading and starting to get study it more. Policies are trash. Yeah. Around all aspects, not yeah, just mental health, absolutely. but what you being in that space mm -hmm. and seeing it firsthand, how policy is affecting how people see, get your services or, wh or whatever the case may be. What are your thoughts on that? And um, how do we go forward? Absolutely. Yeah. So when you think of social justice is I want to eliminate the barriers, right? That mm -hmm. like perpetuate these issues. And so if I'm working with someone who uh, is significantly poor, houseless, I can't sit here and teach you mindfulness skills. And I think that's what happens in our profession. That part. Yeah. Like, Let's teach you how to breathe. Let's teach you how to regulate. How am I going to teach you how to regulate when you go home and you don't know where you're going to sleep? you don't know where your next meal is gonna be. So a lot of that approaches, you know, these policies is how do we change the structure and the climate so that way people have access to that? That would make my mm -hmm. job 10 times easier if they didn't have to worry and not have right. to worry where your next meal is gonna be. If you have enough clothes to last the week. And that's the real talk of like what we're experiencing in our field, right? Even just things that, you know, I work in a college setting about, 
you gonna get that hold in your account you know like I, I'm, I know you want to talk about this childhood trauma here but at the same time you are panicking you don't know if you're gonna be able to afford your education that email is real i had it i had it, ooh. It, it, i was listen i know because i was looking at my whole email and said wow but if we don't have you know we don't think about that stuff yeah. we're missing it and i'm not one to help people become complacent in their pain just for the sake of doing therapy. That doesn't make sense. Right. And there's not any long-term progress. So when we think about policies, it's really looking at what kind of barriers is policy going to create for people, not only getting access, but sustainable healthcare. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what sometimes is missing. And so we're making policy. I mean, we're seeing it right now in Iowa, the legislation's a hot mess. And that's <laughs> something I, I personally have to deal with when I counsel someone who's coming in because they are distressed and they need an abortion, but they're terrified of not knowing what to do. I'm not going to mm -hmm. sit here and say, let's do breathe. I mean, my in regulation, but that's right. a band-aid. Like there's a real life situation that's happening. How do we actually get you to the resources that you need overall? And what kind of hoops do we have to jump through? And that's the role of like, how do you help people do that? But also how do you dismantle the system and have advocacy? So that way there's less hoops people have to jump through before they can even actually process the things that they have going on. Yeah, that's, I got to let that soak in a little bit. That's <laughs> That's and I say it because I don't know what time you go air this, but on July 11th, <laughs> the, you know, by the time people read, see this, we're going to have new laws, you know, because, you know, Governor Reynolds just called something, you know, to do yeah. July 11th to talk about banning abortion fully. So these are things that are going to impact people. Right. And we have to have conversations about that. Right. And it's not just impacting them whether they're in that situation. Right. But now it's the, the yeah. it's a long term effect. Yes because it's compounded that happens now they have that stress yeah. now other stresses in their life yeah. are building up it's just one thing after another yeah. and it's feeling like um i've not me personally but i just i know from what i've been told from people that i work with outside of work mm -hmm. that people are getting fed up they are they are fed up about what three things happened last week you know, so, you, you know, you think about banning DEI or affirmative action, you know, LGBTQ is so many things. It's almost like when you think about policies and we think about social justice trauma, it's like removing the rights. People feel trapped. They mm -hmm. feel like there's nothing they can do. And that triggers fight, flight, freeze, fall, like all these different trauma responses. But then you don't find the chance to regulate. Right. You don't ever yeah. get to catch your breath. And so when we think about policies, it's like maybe before people were like, okay, I'm just gonna allow things to happen. And majority of people, because mm -hmm. there are people who are always impacted. But when you feel that, you see that it's heightened all the time, your body never gets the chance to regulate. And then mm -hmm. if your body's never in a state of regulation, all these past experiences, right? You're easily triggered, easily irritable, easily. overwhelmed, not really sure what to do. And then therapy, you come in and you're kind of seeking that, oh, fix me, right? right. But you're not broken. Right, it's like we're we're in a system. You're having honestly a typical response to a dysregulated society, and mm. then we're figuring out how do we then fix you, rather than fixing like like you mentioned policies, procedures, right. the structure. And if that if we're only focused on one and the other, then we're going to consistently have polarization and dysregulation across the board. Right, and then you have people already thinking it's them yes. and not even thinking about yep. their situation or their environment exactly. that someone else is impacting. Exactly, and then that's a the board what i see with suicide prevention yeah. it's me it's my fault and yeah. if i believe it's my fault 
and I can, and that's the only way I can change is to change me. Sometimes we do see situations where people say, if I just remove myself, then there won't be a problem anymore. Right. And that's what can happen. Can we dig into that? Can we, can we talk mm -hmm. about suicide a little bit? I know it sounds crazy when I say that, but... Not to me, because I talk about it all the time. I know. You talk about it all the time. All the time. I remember... I don't remember if it was a YouTube video or Instagram reel or something. Cause I know you out here in these social streets. But it was somewhere that you were talking about, really passionately, about how we don't talk about... Um, suicide, especially in um, communities of people of color. Yeah, we don't. Um, I have a few, I have a few ideas of why, but I want to get your point of view of why. Why do you think that specifically? Mental health is mm -hmm. on one level, but we talk about suicide. Yeah. Oh, that's what we say. That's that white people. That's white. Yeah, people. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Man. I think. We as a community, especially the black community, I see it a lot in like the Latinx community as well, indigenous mm -hmm. populations, even though there are really high rates there. Um, we pride ourselves on overcoming. We pride ourselves yeah. on resiliency. I remember driving in the car, my mom would say, we can overcome slavery, we can overcome anything, right? Mm -hmm. that, that uplifts us as a community. But what happens when we feel like we can't overcome this? Right. There isn't this other, right? It's never, we can overcome anything. Right. And if we can't, we get we go to community, we get support. It's like, if we can't, we're weak. There's something wrong with you. And like all these messages, and at that point, that layer of protection, that shield of protection of mm -hmm. overcoming resilience, when you feel beaten down, we right. go inward. And then we really hold the burden of all of those messages that have happened, all the things and all the pain, to the only way you can see our brain is primed to protect us. It's primed mm -hmm. to alleviate pain. So at that point, when you were so overwhelmed, that is the only way many people see it's like, that's the only escape I can have. Nothing else will help me. And when we're talking about marginal, racially marginalized groups. It's not like not trying, right? So then you're dealing with the right. system. Someone says, okay, go get help here. I get that help. That's not helping. I'm experiencing barrier after barrier after barrier scrutiny. What happens? And the mm -hmm. reason we don't talk about it is I think because a lot of us are in pain. And again, yeah. we just have faith, right? A lot of our communities are rooted in faith and you're not praying hard enough. So again, mm -hmm. if you're not doing well, it's because you're not, there's something you're not doing mm. because we can't think about that. Cause I think a lot of times if we think about it, it just swallows us. I think we become yeah. anxious and we're like, I can't think about the bad stuff, the negative stuff happening in the world. I just gotta see, keep my eye on the Yeah, future. that's real. You know, when, um, I think for me, I feel like if someone were to approach me about the situation like that, I automatically going to feel like I need to have the answer for them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How can someone be an ally or supportive um, when someone does? That is a leap of faith and bravery to say, hey, mm -hmm. I've thought about yeah. or I'm, I've attempted or I have a plan or whatever the case may be. Um, how do we equip somebody to handle that kind of conversation? Yeah, I'm glad you asked that because what we started doing at Drake, uh, myself and another professor, Greg Langle, we started offering these free, what we call QPR trainings, which is question, persuade, refer. And it's uh, mm. a suicide prevention, kind of like gatekeeper training. So it's kind of mm. given emotional mental health emergency CPR, not PR, whatever you would call that. Right. Uh, where the idea is it equips people of like, okay, how do you, what do you do? What are the warning signs? And then what can you do? So one step I would say, getting trained in that you can reach out to me yeah. you know through drake uh we've trained some folks at cfi the hope is to get that out there and it's free it's one hour oh so that's dope. just getting the education because a lot of people don't have the education and even if someone approaches saying hey i'm really struggling 
that's an opportunity to prevent something to intervene. But if you don't know what the signs are, it's going to be right. really hard. So I would say get in that training. You can just Google QPR trainings and they you can have it. Yeah. Um, I'll make sure I have the link in the description of this episode yeah. and on the YouTube. Uh, and it'll give you trainers who are all local as well. We got three other new trainers at Drake too. So that's a great opportunity. Right. Um, I would say starting with knowing the warning signs might be a good first step. Um, so that way, you know, because there are a lot of warning signs out mm -hmm. there. I unfortunately think about suicide more often than I should because I see the warning signs in so many people right so when they're talking to me I'm like hmm and mm. I see you're thinking about it there's a high chance they already are like I want to dispel that myth like you can't yeah. place a thought in someone's head like that um no so if you're thinking about it it's okay to ask um the worst right. thing they'll say is like no nah, I'm not thinking about that like a lot of times people think like oh they'll get angry that's not mm -hmm. the case those are a lot of myths if someone gets angry underneath anger is a lot of pain right so sometimes that's just a natural response to fear mm. you know there's a lot of stigma related to it and it can be scary right um talking about that so we want to just open the door for it and I would say another thing is just you know letting someone know you're there for them that you don't mm -hmm. judge them because unfortunately a lot of people's initial response is oh it's not that bad like you'll be right. all right that in place that puts judgment on someone that makes right. them feel like yeah there's something wrong with me for thinking this way or you're gonna look at me differently now every yeah. time i see you or it's yeah. not gonna be the same Absolutely. all mm -hmm. all those things just interrupt that by saying you know i don't see you any differently i, I feel even more connected to you where you told me this and like i'm happy i'm here for you to talk about this more right keep the mm -hmm. door open and then just follow up with someone right you know? right no, that's real. I appreciate that. Oh, last I, I was nine eight eight line. That's new. There's a new suicide talk line. It used to be one eight hundred. A lot of numbers, but no one really yeah. remembers all those numbers. Nine eight eight. That's call. smart. Yeah, just, <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, yeah. You just call. Um, mm. Have someone you can get connected. I've had to call for some people before. You can get connected right. to someone who can help. You know, process that in that moment. Right. So let, let's talk about um, the, the swag for a minute, because. If I were to say to some random person, what does a therapist look like? Oh, yes. Cardigan. They are not <laughs> wearing Jordans. They are not. <laughs> they're not rocking the socks. They're no. not They're not looking like. Is, yes. is, this, um, is this on purpose? Is this uh, just how these, this the new school of, of therapists mm -hmm. right now? Um, I know this is you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So why is it important? Why is it important for you to show up like this and also have somebody in your chair, you know, that's not typically right, yeah. that looks like a therapist? Absolutely. Yeah. Because the populations that I pride myself in working yeah. with. Yeah. You do got a cardigan go. I see. I, Low you, key, you do, I come out with You it. do got one. I saw, I saw it on, I saw it on TikTok. <laughs> I saw it on TikTok. I know. It was rare. I was like, oh, you got me. Oh, it's rare. I think I had like three cardigans. <laughs> That's it. So I have my days. But um, the populations that I pride myself in working on, which is pre predominantly, you know, black, indigenous folks of color and LGBTQ communities, uh, you're not going to want to go talk to someone if you don't feel like you can relate to them. Word, and that part. I think it's, it, it starts with, like, how you show up. And I, there were my day, you know, I dress prof like professional and things like that, but mm -hmm. the swagger is still there, right? Word. You know, my personality is still there. And I think what happens is when people enter the workforce, you're going to enter the image that you think you should look like. So even counselors, right? Even folks that are black counselors, you know, queer counselors, whatever, will still think, oh, this is what a, a counselor looks like. But it doesn't mm -hmm. include them. 
and there haven't been a lot of us. There's like four percent, you know, of black right. clinicians that you know yeah. um, that are therapists, and one percent of black men. So you're already coming in with a very <sighs> small perspective of people that look like you, that act like you, and a lot that don't. Mm -hmm. So for me, when I came, I said it's very important that I always show up as myself. And it happened also when I used to work with kids, like adolescents, mm -hmm. and they gravitated to me so much because of that. When I wore my afro, they felt seen. When I wore mm -hmm. my shoes, they were like they felt seen, connected. So mm -hmm. that's bigger than me just sitting in an office talking. Word. You need to feel seen, connected, and heard in ways that I can't just verbally state. Right. So for me, I was like, I'd much rather, sh and what, I feel good, because I, I feel like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, I think it's more important that we show up so right. we can create those spaces and be more authentic, because how, if I'm not authentic showing up working with you, how can I help you get to authenticity, even in this Yeah, space? that's real, that's real, and, and, I, and I love it. I think it's, I have, you know, in, early in my career, health coaching career, mm -hmm. I felt like I had to look a certain way yeah. because I was seen as a provider. So mm -hmm. I had to put on these title, uh, exactly. uh, church shoes. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this ain't, this ain't it. Right. This is not me. Yes. And that's actually building on that. When I really started wearing sneakers is I saw the way a group of like, uh, often white clinicians, providers dress when they dress comfortably. Mm -hmm. I see those sneakers. I'm like, well, I didn't get to wear those sneakers. <laughs> So I can't wear my sneakers and we can wear those white yeah. Nike? Absolutely. So Absolutely then I realized that's not. a culture thing. Like yes. your, re your relax looks like that. And my culture relax looks like this. Yes. So it's okay for me to insert that. And I was like, when I'm not, I'm embodying white supremacy within myself saying, I have to act a certain mm -hmm. way to connect with you. Right. Absolutely not. Because the knowledge is still there. You're still, you're still talking that Period. talk. Period. Yes. Period. So I realized, I was like, oh. Right. I, and if you basically, there's a certain way people dress when they're relaxed. I'm like, Oh, this is just culture. Like you don't have to yes. wear no moccasins, Sperry's. Like no, I can wear my Jordans and my Air Max. <laughs> and I felt relaxed ever since then. I was like, yeah. who's gonna check me? Because I'm coming with the same knowledge. Exactly. I am. I'm still the same person. Exactly. It's just, this is what I look like when I'm relaxed, and that's what you look like when you relax. That's dope. That's dope. So I know I got five minutes with you. I'm be mindful of your yeah. time, but um, getting back to my city, my health. What are you looking forward to this year? Mm -hmm. What are some of the conversations that you feel like we should bring up within that mm -hmm. panel. It's going to be you Ooh, again. Yeah, yeah. Brianne's going to be there. My guy, Gabe, Gabe Martinez, is the other uh, mm -hmm. panelist. Um, Teresa Zilk, the, the moderator. Uh, so I'm super excited for that panel again. I think it's going to be dope. Um, yeah. What, what are you looking forward to? What kind of conversations are you wanting to have? Absolutely. Yeah. One, I'm really looking forward to just the vibe. Just not often I get to mm -hmm. show up in a space. Actually, next time I might wear my sneakers. Yeah. Now that, you know, just like... <laughs> Where I get to just show up as myself yeah. with people I already connect with and have an authentic conversation around mental health and not feel anything in my mind that says you got to talk a certain way, you got to be a certain way. Like, I right. love that. I'm also thinking that we need to have more conversations about early prevention. So talking about mm. our children, um, talking about life as children, because I think there are a lot of adults out there as well that... Mm kind of don't realize the things that happened to them as a child are still impacting them. And the right. things that are happening to our children now have the potential to impact them. And so I think if there's a way for us to cultivate that conversation, that can be really helpful, especially yeah. around trauma, self-esteem, just like generational trauma, you know, all these different pieces. And then how do we overcome that? Because I right. think that's where we're at a lot of ways. Because I think a lot of people now are like, okay, now I know I got some problems. I go to therapy. What do I do with that? What's the right. next step? And I think I'm really looking forward to hearing from the community on what they want from us. 
So I know it's a lot yeah. of us giving them, but if they're like, hey, we need more of this, or we see that, like I'm going to therapy, but this is, I need more help outside of it. That would yeah. actually help me personally to figure out, okay, what kind of groups do I need to start figuring out how to give back to the community? Right, that leads to an idea that I have. I'm gonna talk to you about it okay. once we cut. But um, because last year, we, we blocked 45 minutes per panel. Mm-hmm. 45 minutes for a panel. I want to say 15 minutes for Q&A or 45 minutes total. And it was not long enough. It was not long enough. Um, so it's, but it's still going to be the same format. Mm-hmm. But I have some ideas I want to get your, get your okay. thoughts on. Absolutely. Uh, but Herla Bell Consolver, thank you oh, so God, much. Hemi. We're going to do thing. Hemi and Herla. <laughs> hey, I appreciate you yes, so much. Absolutely. absolutely. Yes. It's an honor. It's an honor. Yes, thank you so much. Oh, I didn't even save the Healthy Project podcast, this whole thing. Now you got your chance. Look, um, thank y'all for listening to the Healthy Project Podcast. I'll holla at you next time. <laughs>